Hello and welcome to another episode of the Point Forward Podcast. We are recording on Halloween Eve on this uh, beautiful Tuesday here and um, very excited for Halloween, very excited to talk about NBA. PJ, what's going on, man? Has it been too long since I've seen you? Yeah. Happy Halloween, everybody. Yes, happy Halloween. This will be coming out, hopefully, when you're commuting on... Well, hopefully maybe, you don't have to work on Halloween. Maybe you're maybe listening to this out. while you're trick-or-treating. I hope so. Although, is that safe? Is that a thing now people would do? Is to listen to podcasts when they're going trick-or-treating? Uh, I, I guess it would depend on your, your bracket of, of age group. I mean, if you're facilitating trick-or-treat, if your kids were like... If we had listeners, kids are maybe like eight or nine. They're kind of like able to function. You're just like kind of chaperoning it from a distance, maybe giving them some space. Maybe you have a one earbud in situation there that you're you're listening to this and kind of pass time. I mean, I listen to podcasts when I take my dogs on the on walks. So I'm gonna basically compare children, human beings to uh, to uh, animals right now for a brief second. Like I could see that being an approach, but now, hopefully you're a more engaging parent than that, but maybe you're walking your dog, your own dogs, and you're avoiding the trick-or-treaters right now on a Halloween evening and navigating through that. So if that's if that's the case, we welcome you as well. Well, I hope that one way or another you're listening to this, whatever you're doing on this. We, this hopefully not too cold of a Halloween, but... Uh, we do apologize. Been- we do po- apologize. The... Ghost Pastor could not be, uh, could not make it for this evening's episode. I tried to, we tried to rebook him, but he well, is. Well, you say uh, that now, but he might make it. Well, he's he has been one to known to just kind of drop in unexpectedly. So, but I was just going to suggest that if for whatever reason you uh, you don't have that, you can listen to that initial two minute sound bit. Maybe we put it in at the end here too. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> give a give a call back. I hope one way or another he ends up joining. That would be. I'm stress. I'm stressing ultra out already by post production issues. No. Yeah, I could feel that energy from here. I'll plug cast. It's gotten better. You got nervous by it's the idea of plugging in an external clip that I still have. That's I did. I did feel that. Don't have to. <laughs> don't have to hide me from that. That piece. <laughs> okay. We, Okay. That was a real uh, frightening. That was the, the scariest thing Ultra's going to experience all, all Halloween. No ghost is going to have anything on that. Besides well, Ultra plugging a ghost in this podcast somewhere. I hope so. I, I didn't watch any scary movies this uh this prep. So let's let's save that because we're we're going to have just, some Halloween just saying stuff I didn't do it throughout the episode. I, I want to. That's too. I'm unf- I haven't really seen too much either, but I. Was slacked. That's something that, we, that we'll have to talk about at some point. Was slacked. This, but Speaking let's start... of scary slacking and slacking. Or uh, you want to talk about the Bulls defense? <laughs> oh, well, that was not where I was going to go with it. That's, that's more on oh, the... Oh, okay. That, was, uh, that wasn't scary. That was just comedy wrapped in a fused tears, wrapped in mainly a pretty entertaining overall thing. Is that what you wanted to go with first? Oh, uh, well, were you, were you more going towards... Ty Lue's scary coaching. Yeah, I was kind of going towards that frightful Cleveland situation, but I don't know. I think I mean Ty Lue kind of got the 
Tyloo got the situation where he saw the uh, saw the scary, the particularly scary or sketchy house, and was like, "I'm not going in there. I'm going to go back." Not a great, no thanks. Not a great week for any coach in Cleveland. Uh, yeah, yeah, Terry Francona, the only one seems to have survived the uh, the week of the uh, uh, week of firings. Yeah, if you if you live in Cleveland, and you're listening to this, and you didn't get fired this week, uh, consider that a win. Congrats to you. Yeah, so the Cavs fired Ty Lue after an 0-6 start to the season. And they beat the Hawks tonight. So congratulations, Cavs. You're you're heading toward trending in the right direction. But do you think that this is the right move? I mean I do. You he did not he didn't show a ton of chops when he had LeBron. LeBron leaves. I know their roster is not great, but it was not an 0-6 roster in the East, and yet that's what those are the results that he got. So I was for this firing. Really? Uh, the only the only argument that I would have against it is that you fire someone if you have a plan. I, I don't I don't necessarily agree with the timing of it, I guess, because they haven't really I, I actually don't remember off the top of my head who's their interim head coach right now. They don't have one. Really, they it have... doesn't seem like they really made a plan, so if you don't have a of replacement, what who you want to move forward with, and why fire the guy that's already there? Well, their plan was to name Larry uh, Larry Drew the interim head coach. Larry Drew has refused to be it because he, like everyone else on the staff of the Cavaliers, doesn't have a guaranteed contract over the season. So he was pushing back that he uh wanted the uh, restructuring of his contract in some way, either get more money, you know, some sort of guarantee. Which I think is very fair. I I don't blame him one bit. Um, so he, he described himself as the coach voice uh, right now. He would, he would not allow himself to be named the interim coach. Um, so he's fighting that. I don't blame him uh, one bit for it at all. And... I do find the move a little questionable, but I mean, based on the the situation of of what appeared to have been occurring, was that uh, Tyloo was given instructions to play the young guys more more and give minutes to those guys, which kind of seems like he was doing. But you know, evidently it, it, the Cavaliers front office viewed it as insubordinate because he was he was giving minutes to some of the veteran guys, and I mean, those veteran dudes were were definitely reasons and that. I think I thought and, and I believe. So you think this is a questionable move because he was giving minutes to rookies. You can't expect him to get a ton of wins. Well, I what I, do you expect from the guy? I I mainly on the side of this the timing. I mean, if you're rocking through like December and you're not doing well, fine. You know, I could see maybe more of that. But six games in with this, it just if you're gonna fire a guy six games in, why didn't you fire him? You know, three months before you know when LeBron left, just parted ways with him then. We're essentially given, I mean, for Tyloo, this is pretty nice. Like, he's going to get $15 million, not going to have the stress of of having to <laughs> figure this, this mess out and uh, be a part of this rebuild and, and figure out those first steps. And he gets the, you know, I, I know, you know, he did have to take some time for, you know, the stress and, and some health issues, part of last season even. So, but, I mean, I'm not. I I just don't understand the idea of yeah we're gonna fire this. Do you have six games and you know why why not give him twelve? Give him twenty. 
like what was really happening, except it was that insubordination, or they had this plan all along that they were going to fire him at some point this season. They just needed to find the moment, and they saw an 0-6 start and thought maybe this would be the best chance they have. But, I mean, he, he was uh, – what was Ty Lue really <laughs> – he comes out on this pretty good because, yeah, also Kevin Love is out for a month now. So this this situation was going to continue to be kind of a, a dumpster fire. And um, if you were someone that may have thought this team would have won over 30 games and maybe bet on them to make the playoffs thinking they could sneak in as a 7th or 8th seed, I mean, I, I feel a little. I think I, not. When I say I, I mean just you know putting myself in that that sort of idiot's shoes. You wouldn't feel very smart about yourself right now. And Tyler's got a, is definitely doing better than anyone that's thought those beliefs. Well, I the reason why I think it's relatively defensible is because I don't. What has he shown us ever since he's been a coach that says he is an above average coach in the NBA? They won an NBA Finals. You, how much credit are you giving him? I gotta give him some. I gotta give him some, man. I don't, I don't care. I mean, he, he was, he helped keep that thing, and whether it was just managing LeBron's personality and those other guys in the locker room. I mean, I mean, based on my Instagram feed, that I didn't realize I followed as many Cavs players as I did, but all those veterans liked him a lot. I mean. It, it definitely seemed like at some point where he didn't really transition past like being kind of that assistant coach and, and friend that to a lot of the, those guys as like a superior, which could be difficult. But it definitely wasn't a situation where I thought these guys weren't playing hard for him, weren't trying for him. A lot of people, a lot of the veterans, at least on the team, liked him a lot. So, But just because players like a guy does not mean necessarily you can just hold on to him. This is a team that's second last in the league in defensive rating through six games. I mean, that's but that's how I just I don't small think small sample you, size. They're in the bottom of the half of the league in the offense. Okay, but if six they're games in last in the Eastern Conference, and so if your goal is to tank and get a first round pick, yeah, I guess that's good. But like I said, I don't think Ty. I don't think they're gonna miss a damn thing by getting rid of Ty Lue. I don't think they're gonna miss anything by getting rid of that guy. It is the lack of planning going forward that is a little concerning. Because if you have a front office that's just saying, okay, this team's terrible, fire the coach, well, you better have a plan. What are you going to do next? And they clearly don't. I think this is more of a red flag towards Dan Gilbert and the rest of the front office than it is against sure. the coaching staff. That could be – That's. I mean, I'm not, I'm not ever going to stand here and defend Dan Gilbert. I, I – Definitely think the dysfunction of all of this does stem from him, but I, if you were this concerned, or you it it was only going to take six games of of this kind of level of play for you to be done with the guy, then then I I don't understand why you even bring him back at all. Like save the trouble, get someone in there that can at least start and actually make an impact, and you have guys in the same direction as you. As your goal, if like you're Colby Altman, like be aligned with a coach than before. Not go through three games and say I need you to play the young guys more. Right from that point, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with you. The one thing I would say to that is that visually firing a coach after it goes to the finals before the next season start is not great. Firing a coach 
after going to the finals and starting the next season 0-6 is at least defensible. So I I do Dude. I will give the Cavs a little credit. I think there. Pat Bev's about to get tossed in a different sense. Him and Russ were yes, getting into I'm, it. I'm, yes. Are you, I'm trying to figure He's, he's heated. I, was, he's, I, was, I look up and all of a sudden I just see like a situation occurring. Um, I switched over. Right, I, yeah, I just right switched over from the Rockets so game. Uh, but uh, no, I guess the last thing, and we let's let's jump on to something more interesting. Uh, I just think if if you're going zero and six, I mean, I think it's easily defensible to say that hey, we've lost LeBron. We you know Tyloo did win us championships three years, but we are going to part ways. We're planning a rebuild. You just be transparent that way. The reason they can is because they have a bunch of veterans and other players that they need to, you know, in some ways still appease and play and like the direction of of this team is in flux and like anytime you do a rebuild it's not gonna be pretty, but you you do like you've pointed out, I mean there needs to be that alignment, that that clear plan and everyone needs to be buying into it and whoever it isn't you need to remove those pieces, but you had a whole offseason to do that. I don't think six games through, if you're pivoting your plan based on the first six games, then you, you too probably shouldn't be running. The, you, you shouldn't be in a position to be making those decisions in some ways. So I do think they were planning to fire him at some point this season and find a good reason, but I just I, 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 this seemed like a, a poor time of it because even if it was still trending bad through 20 games, you're planning to be tanking and get those losses, and the team's still underperforming. Then, then that's fine. But I didn't see any quit out of this team, which would be the the main concern. Where if it that that is something where you can start to see a, a, the younger players' development and, and some of that. If the locker room's energy is is changing in a negative attitude, where you have guys quitting on you already, that's when you need to send a message that things need to change. But I, they weren't they weren't at that point. Let's talk about Clay. Yeah, let's do it, dude. So, so hit on the hit on this before this. You, I, I could not watch the game last night. I was not home. I think you watch. You did you watch the entire thing, or at least a good chunk of it? I mean, I watched through the third quarter, and then I, I mean, I had it on. I just I kind of focused on the Lakers Timberwolves. After that was in the Pelicans Nuggets game was where my focus shifted later, but. I mean, once he got the record, that was the case. But, I mean, I did want to point out prior to this is that Ultra and I were together this weekend hanging out, and we, we at one point were talking just about this, this record, and we were talking about Steph's game uh, from the night before that uh, from over the weekend, and we were like, man, you know, it would be – A few nights before that because KD's game was the night. Before. But Steph had gone, yeah. Steph had gone. We were just talking yeah. about the Warriors and Steph's game and the KD stuff, and um, we were talking about this three-point record and just that, like, it's kind of crazy that Steph hasn't even broken his own record. Yo, so I was, I was wrong. We were wrong about that. <laughs> what do you mean? They didn't Steph, have it. Well, Steph owned did the record. Have the record, right? I thought you were saying. I thought the discussion. At least kind of how we were talking about I thought we were saying, like, it's kind of crazy that he doesn't... Well, all I know it was. We thought he had it tied. I think we thought he yes. tied it. And we thought it was... And yeah, we were saying it was crazy he hasn't, like, broken it. And just Full taken just, sole ownership. Like, I, I had thought that he had tied the record at 12 at least at least one time. 
but it turns out he had in 2016, he did hit 13, which Clay beat last night. Right, and I thought the record was 13, so. We're, we're we both were kind of right and wrong. Yeah, in a way. But we were, we were literally talking about this we were two days before. We and the irony that then they come in to play against uh, my, my Chicago Bulls and. Uh, they, uh, I mean, you, I, I, you were very upfront with the Warriors. I also had sent a text, yeah, that last night to Ultra Say about us potentially putting some financial stake down on the Warriors because I said, in quote, against the Bulls defense, they might put up 160. And they probably would have if anyone in the starters had to play the fourth quarter. But the, or or if the Bulls are scoring and keeping the game a little bit closer, yeah, the they, Bulls put up one twenty five. That's no, I know, but they. I'm just. If, I, if it would have been a ten point game at half, somehow if the Bulls managed to put up eighty points. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah for sure, half, yeah. Because then you see the Warriors coming out with a little more sense of urgency. And the, the, they could have been pushing. For the it. Warriors gave them the mercy kill, is what they did. Last night, because they put up 92 points and a half, the second most ever in NBA history. Obviously, the most they've ever scored as a franchise, the most the Bulls have ever given up as a franchise. Um, but yeah, I was a little disappointed because I would have liked to have seen if they could have actually put up 200 points in a regular game. Uh, but Clay did break the record, went from does the beard need to go to bearded clay going off and transforming? They were just feeding him. He uh, all five, fourteen of those three pointers. The Warriors PR said last night he scored all of those off of a total of five dribbles and uh, did so in three quarters. And then even uh, really the only thing that stopped him was running into his own teammate Damon Jones on a awkward. Uh, Handoff and Damon Jones is uh, tooth cutting Clay's lip or the top his his tooth cutting the top of Clay's head. So then Clay had to put on a headband, which you thought he was doing just to troll. That or I don't know. I haven't. I didn't have. I was driving Friday and missed yeah. that or missed uh, KD's game against the Knicks too. So I didn't know if Clay had all of a sudden, you know. Rocking a headband. I mean, no, so he puts that on midway through the game, and then he makes a I couple like more threes. I hope keep that on, Clay. Uh, but in general, that's coming off of a game where Steph had scored 50 points, uh, and KD had dropped 47 in New York. Um, so the Warriors are absolutely insane right now. They, um, Steph has really set the tone for this team going into uh, the beginning of the season. He is. Um, I don't think there was ever a question that this wasn't Steph's team, Ultra, but there was a sort of feeling that like there's a lot of deferring to Kevin Durant in a lot of moments, and it, it really the first two years of this this new core. I do think that was somewhat the case that. Uh, they were doing a lot of putting a focus on, on Kevin Durant to make sure he was happy, whatever the case, fit in, was finding his role, like keeping up their recruitment promises to him. But I don't think anyone ever was questioning like who the leader of this team was. 
Granted, I know Draymond gets a lot of credit, and he is, but I mean, Draymond was basically put on the duty and was assigned to manage KD, and, and but the overall direction and focus and all of that, no matter what you want to say it was throughout the, the course of the these last two seasons, none of that happens without, without Steph's stamp of approval, and it, it seems that that shifted to where Steph is reclaiming a portion of of all of that so far, this early precedent of what he's been doing. Um, it's, he could, uh, he, the pace he's on right now, he will, um, I, I didn't think it was possible. And I, this is why I wanted to ask you was that if Steph's able to maintain this level of performances, does he actually have a, a legitimate shot at an MVP conversation again? Well, when you, I mean, you and I had this conversation right before the season, a few weeks ago, I shot it down and, and I, you know, it's dark dark horse candidate for MVP is Steph, and that's I shot it he down. Just hasn't had a healthy season, and right now he's on pace. If he if he if he sticks on this pace, he will win the MVP. Right, he won't be close. Yeah, uh, can he can he stay on this pace? No, he can miss some games I, and still be good. Right. Oh yeah. If he if he puts up the numbers he's currently putting up and plays seventy games, he'll probably win MVP. Right now, Steph is at, has a PER of 32.7, which I think over the course of a full season would be an NBA record. Um, and But more importantly out of this, he's on pace for a 50-50-90 season. Right, which is... So that is if, the... <laughs> if, if Steph shoots 50% from three and he's up there in league leaders and, and attempts from three, that he's going to win MVP. Because if you can make 50% of your shot out there... 50% of the time works every time. That's tough. And to, and backing up, just not just looking at the scope of the season, too, but I hadn't really thought of – I didn't – basketball reference, shout out basketball reference, but they have a list of the most threes hit by a player in a single game. And I'm not going to read the whole list, but I'm just going to say there's a lot of Splash Brothers on here. So we got Clay, Steph – so Clay with fourteen, Steph with thirteen, Steph with twelve, Danielle Marshall with twelve, Kobe with twelve. Then with eleven with eleven threes, Steph has done that four times. Yeah. The only so other than Clay and Steph, the only other player in the NBA in the history of the NBA that has hit both that has hit ten threes multiple times in a game. Can you oh, this is a good stat question. Can you name the one guy? That he has hit ten plus threes multiple times, other than Clay and Steph. He's not. Is he still active? He is still active. Is it ten threes multiple times? Can I get? I don't want this to turn into Dirk uh, Paul Gasol guessing. Can I get three guesses? Nope, I'm being. I'm being very careful. I will give you three guesses to this. Can I guess James Harden? You didn't say James Harden. James Harden has never hit 10 threes in a game. Okay. That was just, I just wanted to be, I don't want to cut the obvious. nine. So he's still playing uh, Jamal Crawford. I'll see, I'll see Yogi, also uh, Yogi Ferrell's career high. <laughs> uh, My guy. Still got that best. What's, what's your other one? I want to say Jamal Crawford. He has never hit 
I just don't think he's, he's ever shot so. more. Th- I don't know if he's ever hit eight, but he's never hit nine. Okay. So I'm guess they it's someone that's got that shot the main. You're 10. gonna be very. You're gonna be upset when you don't get this one. He's still playing. Can I get Eastern or Western Conference? Eastern Conference. Who's made nine threes? He has made ten, ten threes, threes multiple times. Multiple times. Yep. Oh, well. Um. Shoot, it's gotta be between like. Now I'm trying to think. I'm like, if it. Uh, it's gotta be Kyrie. Uh, can I say Kyrie? So Kyrie has done it once. He's hit 11 threes in a game once. J.R. Smith has done it twice. J.R.'s got 10 twice. He has hit ten, at least 10 twice. He hit 10 against the Knicks in 2014, and he hit 11 um, against Denver in 2009. Oh, excuse me. That was the team that he's on. He was, oh. So, yeah. Did it with the Knicks and with the with Denver. Yep. Yeah, that makes me a little upset, but I just didn't think Jer- – that's why I was like – when my Jamal Crawford guess. I, that, Kemba's I, close. Kemba's hit 11 in a game, and he hit 9. So I wasn't terrible. I don't feel terrible with that. Year. I was on the right path. No, no, no. no. You, were, you were down the but right twice. path. JR's, JR's older, and he's, he hasn't hit that many threes in a game for a long time. Anyway, my point out of all this is that these guys, the fact that <laughs> they're on the same team, they also have KD – they're playing unbelievably. They're first in the air in the West. Uh, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say Houston's not gonna dethrone them in the West this year. Well, uh, maybe someone else will. So Houston definitely not. So I did kind of have this idea in my head the other day. Was that uh, what was the other day? I mean, this morning was that. Do you think the Warriors are doing this as like a courtesy to everyone else in the league? Like that Rockets the the idea of the Rockets can go up four first round picks for Jimmy. And like anyone that thinks about like trading up, is this almost a statement to them? To like, save yourselves. Like, just don't do it. Like, wait to see what happens with Kevin this this off season. Like, save yourself. Like, because you're you're not beating us. This like, is this just an early tone setter of like, no, no, we're we're still here. Like, we yeah, we were pretty locked the last season. We kind of have a little bit of a focus right now. How long that lasts, you know, we'll see. I'm sure they'll dip in like, but. Right now, they're kind of trying to get everyone revved up and going. And, like, last night was just the determination. There was, like, we're just going to get Clay all this. And, and Clay was making shots. I'm like, all right, let's get Clay the record tonight. Well, Maybe that was motivation for staff to then break it later this season. Maybe that's what Clay needed. He didn't want to beat himself. But if he's got Clay, he, it's kind of, you know, he can have a turn. Maybe they both can hold the record. Well, Clay could have hit 23s last night. Probably if he played That's the full the, game. But I'm thinking, I'm if wondering. If he would have played the full game and wanted to hit 23s, he would have played tw- hit 23s. But it's funny that you're bringing this up because, so Nick Friedle, who covers the Warriors, just did a pod with Zach Lowe like a week or so Shouts ago. Shouts to Nick Friedle. He just, it's pretty funny. He was, because he, he was the Bulls guy for forever. Yeah, no, he and he mentioned that in the pod. And he he said exactly what you were just alluding to, which is, hey, Houston, if you want to go out and trade four first-rounders, go all in. Like, I respect it. That's great. It's great for the competitiveness of the NBA that 
GMs are willing to take huge risks that make their teams more competitive to compete against a team like the Warriors, but guess what? It doesn't matter because this team is so much better than everybody else. And right. But this is this feels I like can't the, say I necessarily disagree with them. This I feels mean, like the, that, the this feels like the right. move though of like people being like, oh, the Warriors ruined the league. They ruined the league. This feels like the Warriors being I like... I saw a lot of tweets last night saying, like, yeah, that's a point. <laughs> well, even if he ruined the league... I mean, that was fun. That was that's my favorite sports scene right there, that they did that too. It was kind of fun to watch. I got a little nervous for Fred a little bit, that like it would turn on him in a way. I think it luckily didn't get too ridiculous because I said the Warriors' mercy killed him. But no, I'm, I'm the idea of, like, you ruined the league, you ruined the league... It, just this early start almost feels like this idea that if the words kind of came out lackadaisical, whatever, and teams made these trades, and then they turned it on after they made the trades, it'd be like, well, fuck you guys. Just you have let us know you were going to be like this, and we wouldn't have done this stuff. And it's like, now at this point, they've set this precedent. they set this tone. Maybe they play this way to like, like the next couple weeks, play this way for the next month or so, kind of like they did when they went for that 72 win, but they back off. But at least they'll be like, can't say we didn't warn you guys. Like we, we showed you this. This is this is here for us. We can we can bring this level up whenever we want to. Just letting you know if you really want to try, go for it, or save your your stuff for next year. You know we'll, we'll see what happens with Kevin. But this one, you can't be mad about. You know if your team if your if your favorite NBA team trades anything, tries to go head to head with them at this point because it's like, hey. Don't say we didn't warn you. Like we showed you right now. Like where Steph is, Steph's doing this stuff. Like it is. If this is this this type of performance would have been something that, if I had known this, obviously I'd be smarter. I wouldn't have said like shot down the Steph for MVP. I just didn't see a scenario where Kevin Durant and him would both be almost averaging thirty points a game, and if that sustains, like that's insane. It's totally plausible. I just didn't think they would want to do that in their interest. But there, I I do think there is this this mindset for them that they they would look at it as a disappointment at least if they have only a three year run of Kevin Durant on this team. Like their their expectation is we need to come away with a three peat out of this. Yeah, I don't I don't see the thirty point both of them finishing quite. I mean, Melo and AI did it. Yeah, it's Kevin definitely Dur- possible. Uh, I just, I don't, with the way their offense works, and I guess it's really going to depend on when DeMarcus comes back. I think the way their offense works, Ultra, is that they can just decide that that's what they're going to do at this point. They're, 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 they're their own writers of this season that they want at this point. It's, it, it pretty much feels like that now through the first couple weeks of the well, season. The last is three that- games are a little weird. Most a mo- a typical Warriors night. It's just kind of moving all over the place, and each guy kind of finishes with 20, 25 points. The last three nights have been kind of uh, kind of different in that they kind of outliers in that they literally picked one guy to run through. I mean, KD was iso ball KD in, in the fourth quarter against the Knicks. Steph was just heat-check Steph the other night, and then Clay, you know, Clay was Clay last night. And as soon as he had a hot first quarter and then hit a few threes in the second, it was on. And right. They and maybe they just the – Maybe, but maybe it's the uh, – maybe it's the ad lit, right? What's that – the 
where you write in. You just, they just get to pick their own adventures. Ad libs, yeah. They, it, every game is gonna be ad lib for yeah. them. They have the little checkpoints. It's like, all right, yeah, this is gonna be cool. But I, almost watching that last night, granted the Bulls' defense is pure trash, and watching Jabari Parker try to guard anyone was hilarious. Zach Levine evidently can't figure out how to read a screen or get around it. Um, Tell you what, we ha- we haven't really talked about this too much. He's been spectacular offensively for the Bulls. He is a liability there. Oh, he's been real bad. The difference between him and Jabari of atrocity on defense, though, is that Zach's athletic, and some of Zach Levine's stuff is just him being lazy and like relying on his athleticism to try to uh, to cheat plays, and he's just getting burned. Jabari just has zero interest in like trying, and is just like. He's been, and he's, but he has also not backed it up at all defensively. Like, he isn't, I mean, offensively, like, he hasn't done anything offensively where I'm like, all right, what, I'm going to look past some of this. Like, it's just been garbage all the way through. Zach's stuff, I just think, is he, he's putting forth some effort. I mean, he's not doing great. Like, he is, he, I'm not, it's definitely not trying to say he has any interest in applying himself defensively, but. Some of his mistakes are more of like, oh, let me see if I can shoot this passing lane and try to get a steal. And it's just like there was one or two times on screens. But in general, like, yeah, you do what the Warriors did it to him and just have him off, like, curl screens and just, you know, setting off ball screens. That He clearly showed, like, no way of figuring that out last night. Maybe that's just the Warriors. I don't think so. I think a lot of teams could probably attack him that way. Uh, but in general, yeah, it was it was it was tough, and that was with the campaign made some circuit shots last night. Like campaigns, actually, this is gonna be this will literally be the nicest thing I've <laughs> say about campaign this season. Like since campaign said he was kind of awful, he's put together some like above average expectations of what I'd want on a campaign. Granted, it's all losing efforts, and I don't think it's any indication of anything other than. A lot of empty stats, but him just like kind of driving and trying to score was surprising. Like he's he's right now in this little streak where he's actually converting on some of that. I still haven't seen him run on a competent offense, but that's for a different day. Um, but yeah, man, the Bulls in general was. You know, the only thing that sucked about that was Wendell Carter had a really sick dunk, and I couldn't be happy about it because. Of just the obliter that was the only thing I was mad about the Warriors about is that I wanted to like retweet that and like put something on it and uh I couldn't just because there was literally a massacre happening to them at that point. <laughs> Can we we'll, move on to a very yeah. spooky segment segment here? We will we will all not forget that I will not forget that game. That's the last thing I wanted to say. Actually. That will be a Seared in my memory of that night of last night will be one of the more memorable basketball nights um, I've had as a Bulls fan for sure. Not in the greatest way, but it was it was fucking it was it was still kind of fun as hell. Just to, you love Clay though. I I mean yeah, he's, if someone's gonna do it to him. Yes. Clay's okay, right? Clay's yeah, I would have been made way more pissed if it was like Steph shimmying on him and doing shit. I was, I was yeah. Clay is is my. Sp- is my spirit animal for sure. So I'm, I'm, I'm our buddy, cool uh, our, our friend Kinneman was at that game, and our friend Jackson's dad was at that game. Our friend Jackson's dad. 
<laughs> Our friend Jack Andrew. He's a good guy. There's um there's someone I saw a few other I know there's a few other people. There's one woman I worked with I work with. Her daughter was there, I guess. There was a lot of people there. Tickets were only like fifty bucks. I did kind of think at one point about like if I wasn't like good. tired as shit and like from our, our little our weekend and like trying to be in recovery mode and just kind of sit in my own filth and watch basketball by myself, I I could have convinced myself to go. And now I kind of wish I had. <laughs> kind of wish you had, too. That would have been a fun one to go to. Yeah. But Next time. Let's, let's, uh, let's move on to a segment that I just call Trick or Treat. Mm. What a seasonal topical segment, Ultra. We are seven, seven, eight games in for teams. Don't want to jump to too, yeah. too many conclusions here, but I think that here we want to talk about teams that have been playing well and we think are going to continue playing well. Yeah. Or teams that are not playing well that we think are going to rebound, and that's really in the, the trick section, right? Well, we're playing, yeah. It's, we, we've picked a few teams that are on probably the two far ends of the spectrum as far as Either expectations or just current state, but yeah, I mean, my we we will continue to say this and say it every year. It's really for me. I'm not staking any claims to anything until twenty twenty five game mark. But we wouldn't have a podcast if we didn't, you know, add some sort of thoughts along the way as we go through this. And um, yeah, so gotta give some hot takes though. Got, I got some. So, I got some takes on a few of these teams for sure. Some of these other ones, I'm sorry if I sound nonchalant about them, but um, you're gonna get that. So like, you're gonna get that hot take energy one way or another from this. Let's start at the bottom of the Western Conference. Started from the bottom. Now we here. We have the Houston Rockets, who you brought up before, and they are one and five after tonight. After getting shellacked against Portland, which I watched a bit of the first half and was borderline unwatchable basketball. I mean, we're talking. Well, anytime you have NC Dub in there, that's terrible, terrible, terrible stuff. And they seem completely lost without James Harden. Yep. Their shot selection, which I know at even when they're peak Houston routing teams by 20, 30 points, can be have some stretches where they. They've literally just taken like 10 transition threes in a row. It's kind of tough to see. Or you see James Harden go to the line every other uh, possession. That's tough as well. But, man, it was bad. Uh, and Portland's looking pretty good. They're sitting 5-2, and two, third in the Western Conference. Rockets are last at 1-5, and five, tied, with la- tied for last with the Suns. Is it time to panic a little bit? James Harden's hurt. He's going to come back. But is it time to panic about the Rockets? So this would be – are they – so if I don't, I would say they're trick. They're, this performance right now is tricking us. Right. If they're tricking us, they're really good. Right. I I'm gonna go on the side of trick just because. I mean, I. It's this would be this is only tough. This is probably the toughest team for this segment because. Do I think they're as good as last year's team? No. I there's just something off, and it doesn't seem. And it might just be they need to play more games together, but. This team just doesn't have the same groove early on that the, that team last year had, and I, I think nope. the Ariza and and Luke Luke Matabute, um, 
the, losing those two guys is, is this is the the worst case scenario we thought of when those moves went down and they didn't those guys didn't return. But do I think they're like in danger of of being like not a playoff team? No, I, I think James Harden didn't come back and I, he is going to be the one that gets us the cog going again. And I think that's really just a lot of it. Um, I I don't see there's nothing about them that's glaring where I'm like oh this is this isn't correctable this isn't great. I mean Melo isn't do, don't added anything to that team to make me say like to build off of so it just might be coming from some of these other pieces around there. But I also don't believe for the Rockets in general just because of the conversation of even if the the story of giving up four first round picks. To get Jimmy now, do I think that's the move they need to make, and and is that the way to go forward? I don't know, but it at least tells me I I think Daryl Morey is going to if if this core isn't going to be what makes it work, he's going to find something that's going to be the answer to correct this and and bring in some other pieces. That's easier to do in the middle of the season as you have guys either buyouts, you have expiring contracts to trade. Um, there, there, there's there's options in season for like a one one season shot that you can do more throughout the middle of the season that you can't really do as you're like getting going in the season. You have to you kind of have to get a starting starting point and then build off of it from there. If that makes sense. So I'm not worried about them really at all at this point. Too early to too early to be too worried about yeah. them, right? Yeah, this is a team that was first in the West last year. As soon as James Harden is back, I really do think that you. This is the kind of team that you could see go out and win like 10, 15 games. Yeah, oh for sure. Now the question, and I think their their tough start it only bodes in the Timberwolves' favor with all of this. Is are they going to up their offer for Jimmy? And really. I want to get to your take because I, I honestly can't remember you and friend of the pod, uh, Will Ducey, were talking uh, with me about whether or not it makes sense for the T-Wolves to realistically be taking on for, or, you know, taking in, taking that offer for first-round picks, as well as Marques Chris's and Brandon Knight's contract for Jimmy. And I think it primarily has to do with what kind of protections are there, but... In my opinion, like you, if you take Eric Gordon in that deal instead of Brandon Knight, I think it's a done deal, assuming that there aren't crazy protections on a lot of those picks. Um, that's my opinion. Right. But I don't like it with Brandon Knight because if you take on Brandon Knight, I think in to get rid of Brandon Knight's contract anyway, that's essentially they have to tie a first-rounder for that. So you're really just taking three first-round picks for Jimmy, and you know – that this year and most likely next year's pick isn't going to be very good. Or excuse me, not this and next year, but this year and 2020. Those two picks probably aren't going to be very good. So I I don't – I mean, but a lot of it too, I know it's structured with the rules. Like they can't put any crazy protections on a couple of these picks. Because they can only go out a certain number of years. Right. right. So that is advantageous for the, for the T-Wolves. Um, I was mainly going from the point that uh, John Krasinski and, and Zach Harper had this conversation, and I, I liked it, of the idea of the purpose of uh, 
moving Gorgie's contract that they could use one of these first to move that and maybe convert that into a to the veteran piece that Tibbs wants if they're not able to get Eric Gordon because I don't understand if you're the Rockets why you would do that unless Jimmy is immediately signing an extension and obviously I don't they wouldn't have if they there wasn't the intel on their side that they believe they could re-sign Jimmy they're not going to put together this kind of package for him no matter what but um I would look at it more so in line with the fact that, like, yeah, they would be making this move because they've extended Chris Paul, they've got James Harden, they just gave Capella a deal. So it makes sense that they locked in Jimmy, too, and they're all in from that perspective. Uh, but I don't see why they would have to give up Aaron Gordon, really, to get Jimmy. I think that would they, – they're giving him enough. There's a selling point. Make the salaries work, and then it's, it's up to Minnesota to then – use those assets to figure out how the rest of their team. If I'm Daryl Moore, I'm not budging. And like that's that offer I think gives you more ability to like relieve yourself and like get yourself out of cap hell in a better way than if you just get Josh Richardson and a pit, you know, a protected pick from Miami and Deion Waiters. You know, it really I, doesn't though unless Deang is in the deal. But you could, but you're getting more back from Houston to then move Diang somewhere. Maybe you can turn Diang because Diang started out decent. I think this. I've the couple, the three games I've watched of the T.O. so far, he hasn't been like awful when he's come in. He's definitely playing better I've than never, he was last year. But he had a tough year last year. I've never thought Diang is awful. I'm glad he's a Timberwolf. I like. like so I think you, as a backup center. And honestly, for most teams, if he's your starting center, it's probably not a bad option because most starting centers only play, you know, 28 minutes a night. I think he's perfectly capable of doing that. But $16 million a year for a guy like that, like we had, there's a ton of debate this offseason of, of paying, you know, Zach Levine $18 million is unrealistic. That's $2 million more than Gorgie. Right. And obviously, Zach Levine is more bring, bringing way more to the table than a guy like Gorgie. So. This is not a guy that you can just have sixteen million dollars on your cap for the next three years. Right, so they got to get on that if they're going to trade Jimmy, they either need an, an asset, an asset that is a for sure like something they can build around, or they need to know for sure that they can shed that contract. If it's not one of those two things, I don't care what else is attached to the deal. I would not do it. You Doesn't wouldn't. You don't like a deal if if you don't get those results. Because I look at the. If I don't get one of those two things, yeah. give me. I look an at asset the Rockets deal. I look at a Rockets deal as getting you closer to that because I don't think I don't see a way that they can get it in its current how every team one is structured for them to get a situation where they can get all that in one deal. I think it's going to take two deals no matter what, and if you're going to make between this and what the Miami offer was, this deal gives you a little flexibility in the middle of the season plus. The opportunity to make that move later, and maybe their their whole thing is they're going to wait and see no matter what. Um, I just don't know how many better offers are really going to be out there for Tibbs. But at the same time, I get like Tibbs wants to make the playoffs, so he's maybe he has to do some back channeling and figure out and get that deal for Gorgie done or for whatever that deal is 
and know he has a secondary deal ready to go right after that, and then he executes it. So I that could just be a portion of it. Deal. What? I just think it's gonna have to be a three-team deal. In a way, I don't know if it'll be a smooth three-team deal. I I, I do see a, a, the scenario though where once we hit December fourteenth, this it opens up more options. But I really thought they would. Just from an idea of, of how bad Cat has been to begin the season, like I thought there would be more of a precedent on the Timberwolves' part to get this done faster. And that hasn't been the case. And I'm not really... I understand why it hasn't happened because of who's running this and everything. But uh, at a certain point, like if you're Glenn Taylor and you kind of castrated your, your, your president and coach, like... Wouldn't you also then speak up in this situation and be like, just do the deal and then you you know, figure out the, the back end piece to make it competitive again for the season after you that, but that's where I'm that's where I'm confused. So and you know, what those protections looked like as we said, I mean maybe it was a couple of those picks were heavily protected and they weren't gonna budge on some of that piece, which then then if you have a little more information we can assess it differently. But just a presentation of how the protections would probably have to work. It just didn't seem like something that Minnesota couldn't at least work with. And if it helps Cat play better at this point, you just need that too. Like that's almost an addition right now because he has been just awful and is really kind of proving a lot of the stuff that Jimmy was talking smack about to begin this to be kind of true. Well, it could be a factor of a lot of things. Oh, there's. He, yes. I mean, he is not. He has not looked engaged. He's looked terrible for them, with the exception of the one game that Jimmy did not play, which is against the Mavs. Yeah, and he was good and, against the Lakers last night. And then last night, he kind of out of nowhere was good in a lot of areas. Like finished with 16 rebounds, had a couple blocks, played played pretty good defense. Uh, his. I thought it was the best all around game he's had this season. It is, without a doubt, the best game he's had this year. And they beat the Lakers at home, which was very unexpected, at least in our opinion. Yes. But uh, it does raise the question because now the Lakers sit at two and five in the conference, which you know it's really only had they won this game they'd be at three and four, and the Timberwolves would be sitting at two and five. But is it a cause for concern for the Lakers at this point? Are, are they? Is this the version of Lakers we're going to see this year? Are they going to turn things around and this is really a trick? Um, I lean towards yes, obviously, because a big reason behind that is because LeBron James is the best player in the NBA. But he is playing with a lot of young guys and a lot of old guys. And they, it, the whole thing just doesn't seem to be meshing. Kuzma came out today saying he wants to start. Ingram said that he is going to start when he comes in. He played really well in his return last mm. night. Uh, with except the for the last Wolves. quarter. Except for the last quarter. Lonzo has had a rough few games stretch, but in general has been good this year. But it just doesn't seem like this team – they have a similar problem with the Cel- as the Celtics. They're not quite as rich in talent as the, as the Celtics are, but it does seem like they have the same problem in that they just have too many guys in the roster that need to play. And, you know, at one point or another, LeBron's going to choose who's going to be playing here, depending on who's playing well. So I'm kind of waiting for that to happen. He alluded to that after the game last night. 
Yeah, I mean, for me, the biggest thing in the – I mean, one, this team is not playing any defense at all. Uh, I think Lonzo has been the most impressive guy. I've been the most impressed with of anyone on the team right now has been Lonzo. Um, and so far with this team, looking at it, like – I mean, to be honest, like Kuzma and LeBron have been the most aggressive scoring-wise – I mean, missing Ingram will see, but like, yeah, he he had a nice three quarters. I just thought he was couldn't hit anything, and in the fourth, and was kind of a, a I don't want to say disappointment, but just wasn't. He was getting a lot of opportunities and wasn't answering. And if he had, I think could have been a uh, a big piece for them. But uh, and as far as like them winning that game, I think if he's making some of those shots in the fourth, it's a little different and. Like that's really where it comes down to is who's going to be that that secondary guy who can get their own shot, who if LeBron goes to in a fourth quarter situation, he knows he's going to make that. Just like what they had with Kyrie in Cleveland. I mean, when he could go to Kyrie and know Kyrie could score, like who else can get theirs and doesn't need like that shot created through offense. Um, but the other piece, and like LeBron talks about it last night, was that. Like, the rim protection, giving up all these offensive rebounds, I mean, they just don't have... Their interior defense and rim protection looks like a team that has JaVale McGee as their starting center. And they're really... He's been... Like, I don't think for what they're paying him and production they're getting, I think JaVale McGee's actually been, like, a very nice value for them. The issue is if JaVale McGee's out or gets in foul trouble like he did... um, well, a, a little bit against uh, Denver, er, but like against, really, you saw it in the first Spurs game. Was like they didn't really have any, like their answer was Jonathan Williams, who, unless you watched any of March Madness when Gonzaga went on their run, like people would not know who Jonathan Williams is. Um, Jonathan Williams, you couldn't even pick him up in fantasy basketball on ESPN, um, even after that game, he wasn't an eligible person to have. Uh, so you you can't tell me like anyone was going this season expecting him to be it. Uh, Zubak looked is looked terrible in every minute he's been on the court so far this year. He looks unplayable, which helps with my theory of the Robin Lopez stock and and whoever what other centers. But that market is uh, fastly becoming more of a high demand for the Lakers to make a move there, or there's a higher need because. They do need some more help on that side. The counter to that would also be, do they figure out what that small ball lineup is going to be and actually sure up some of this defensive responsibility because you throw out Kuzma wants to start. You throw out that Ingram you know, isn't expecting to leave the starting role. I think Lonzo, after the suspension of Rondo, I don't think Lonzo is going to give it up. And Lonzo has been, I think, their best like perimeter defender so far this season. Um, you know, do, do you think that Josh Hart and Lance, like that's enough to, or Josh Hart and, and KCP, like what's their, their if you remove some of these guys to the, the starting lineup, what do you see as the, the, the secondary scoring options? So, I mean, they just have a lot of rotational issues and that coupled with them, yeah, not playing defense. They did have a tough schedule to start the season as far as opening games. 
Um, and I think they're good enough with LeBron. Like, they're going to beat up. Like, I, I don't think they're going to lose to Dallas. I think getting another crack yeah, playing, at Portland. Playing the Spurs twice already is, is tough. Yeah, and Houston. The Spurs. And opening up in Portland. And playing Denver, who's like a unit that played well, like, a while ago. Yeah, they get Dallas tomorrow or tonight if you're listening, you know, you're listening on Wednesday. Um, I mean, they've got winnable games coming up, but, like, if you look at their next five games, they got Dallas, Portland, Toronto, Minnesota, Sacramento, and then Atlanta. Like, just that little shot of games. I mean, they go three and three there. Then the next six games, okay, then you're you're progressing. I... I think they're going to go on a run at some point. Or they'll make a move. Um, I do kind of get a little frustrated by the idea of, like, is Luke Wall in the hot seat? And LeBron's comment of, like, oh, you don't want to see me my patience runs out. That was, like, a nice headline grab. And the phrasing of the question, I don't think it was as much of a subtweet-y type thing. But I do think he answered in a way that he knew how the media was going to pick it up and all of that. I'm uh, – I just think that would be a ridiculous. It would go back to our conversation about Ty Lue. Like, if you were that uncertain about Luke Wallen with LeBron on this team, you shouldn't have. Should have probably just fired Luke Wall when you signed LeBron. You know, that that's like one thing that's critical of me. I think you need to at least give Luke Wallen through the the trade deadline or half of the way through the season before we're like talking about that piece of it or. Speculation: Ty Lue gonna go to LA. Like, get the hell out of here with that. Like, I think I think we we need to first solidify what the rotation is for this team and how these guys are all gonna fit. Because at a certain point, I think the hard conversation is gonna be either a these 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 younger players aren't stepping up enough that we're still having to play, give Lance and Rondo. In some of these dudes, like City Fit Minutes, or we, we figured out with this young core, and we, we've got to have the conversation with these veterans that they're going to kind of take a secondary role now. So it's like, one, the, the, there's going to be a tough conversation. You want it to be the fact that you have all of your younger players, and that younger group it has formulated into a core. Um, but like LeBron isn't playing any defense whatsoever right now, he's not playing forward. Like a ton, and I'm not like expecting it right now, but I also need I can't hear him saying stuff and putting it on guys. Like he does still need to set the tone and it all still falls on him either way. Granted, I think it's if anything, like he needs to know of this young core, like who's gonna step up and if he's slacking, who's gonna answer and doesn't need him to prompt or whatever, you know. Father LeBron type Obi Wan Kenobi lessons he's trying to get out of these young guys, but it's this, this isn't something to me that it's a this is a very long long answer, but to me it doesn't se- seem like something that <laughs> I'm not sure which part of this I'm I'm should be reacting to here. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at it as more of like you 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 can't take this team right now where it's at and and, and just be like oh we have, so the changing happens now because. That completely destroys this whole argument that they came into the season with of that this was going to be more patient, long, extended process. We knew this wasn't going to be a 
overnight success type of thing. So it's it's so far it's it's not playing anything that I'm surprised by, but No, I'm I, off my soapbox now. I I guess the only thing that I've been a little surprised by is I thought we would see one other I mean JaVale McGee honestly maybe night tonight has been the most consistent sidekick to LeBron. He's been. They've been giving him so side, many looks. Sidekick might be the wrong word, but he's been pretty good. Like they've been going. Count as. They've been going double, him a lot. Plays pretty good defense. A lot of lobs, a lot of easy dunks, but he's there doing the right things offensively at least. But then other than that, on the perimeter, they just can't really shoot. Yeah. Like, I really like Josh Hart. I think he should be starting. Really. But you haven't seen it as much consistency of him, especially in the last few games. And then uh, Brandon Ingram is tough because he's been out uh, until last night. He hadn't been playing after getting suspended. Yeah. But then I just think the whole Ray, – having Rajon and Lonzo on the same team, I just don't think it's really going to work. Like, they got to figure something out to get – to really get Lonzo and LeBron – Got to get that chemistry working between those two guys, as well as Brandon Ingram, and in my opinion, Josh Hart. And I think Kuzma plays into this too. I don't know if you can just if you can get him to assume a bench role, but a role on the bench that says, "Hey, when you go in the game, you know maybe you don't play with him next to LeBron, and he's the playmaker." When when he, I don't think that's necessarily a bad idea. Like try that more. Yeah, and I think it could, I think it could help them, but. I think they're going to be okay. I don't see a version unless LeBron truly ends up making this year more of a reset, um, more of a, you know, I'm going to kind of rest up for the last couple of years, the last leg of my career. I don't think that's going to happen. But if that, assuming that doesn't happen, this team's going to be a playoff team, and I just don't think that's going to change. But let's move on to the Eastern Conference because there are a few teams here that have – had a well, we'll talk hit on one that you you love and has had a great start of the season, and then one that has had a bit, bit of a tough start. We already talked about the Cavs, but another team that's sitting at one and six, um, the Washington Wizards. Let it be known, this is not the team that I love. Uh, yo, <laughs> this team is bad. This is... You know, man, do you know what's going to fix all their problems? What? Dwight Howard coming back. I don't think so. <laughs> I honestly, before the Ty Luden news over the weekend, like, I was going to really... I I was at one point going to make an argument Sunday morning before we parted ways, like, that we should look at putting down money on Scott Brooks for first coach fired. Um, Glad we did not. Well, yeah, we got that. The basketball god saved me there, and we got that answer beforehand. But, yo, like this thing is Nuka, Duke Nukemit already, I think. Like, I don't know how you do, but it just is not. That's a no good. If you're you're looking at that team, like, I don't really think they're. <laughs> that is, uh, that team is, I'm kind of. Not really sure you go for, go with this at all. I don't like how I just have not been happy with the way that John Wall has played this year. I'm only telling. It just doesn't seem of, like he's doing a good job getting mm-hmm. other people involved. 
I think that it's uh, it's going to be a big problem if uh, Mahinmi is your starting center. Yeah. But at the same time, this team, you have three max guys with Beal, Otto Porter, John Would you, Wall. question, would you rather be the the Wizards right now or the Minnesota Timberwolves? Uh, I'd rather be the Timberwolves. Yeah? I'd rather be the Timberwolves. Because I think that they have the best asset in Carl Anthony Towns than anyone else. Might also have the, yeah, if they really felt as though they had to go full fire sale, biggest they could get biatch, a Biggest biatch asset, too. But, um, Fuck you. Hey, man, this is only helping my second-half cat theory, though. He's just a second-half player. He certainly... His stats trend upward the second half of the year yeah. and have done so every year since he's been in the league. Uh, but, yeah, the Wizards are a colossal trouble, man. I don't know what the pro- I, I don't know what the solution is because they are they don't have any money they have no cap flexibility or very little cap flexibility. Dwight Howard comes back even if he plays well for them I don't see him fixing their chemistry problems or there's helping, like he's certainly not going to help with their spacing and I I mean this this team is going to go how where John Wall takes them and I think they could do some other things or like Bradley with Beale Brad Beal yeah have Brad Beal handle more playmaking responsibilities and be with the second unit a little bit more and then run Kelly Oubre more often with Otto Porter and John Wall. I don't know what that is. I don't know how you stagger their minutes to make that work, but it doesn't seem to work with just having Brad Beal being off ball and John Wall. John Wall is watching him against the Grizzlies tonight, and he just likes – he honestly, the shots – some of the shots that he takes, it's unbelievable. John Wall, if you're not getting an open three – or if you're not getting if you're not getting a wide open jump shot, or regardless of two or three, or if you're not at the rim, yeah. drive and create. That's man. the piece. And it just that's it, that it last just point. It's so odd. It doesn't look like it's even him out there sometimes. It this team honestly, because they're so like they have so little self awareness. They like and unless they figure that piece out, like. They're almost a situation of like the basketball hell within basketball hell. Of like, yeah, team that should conceivably have the talent to be good, but they don't have the internal. Like, they don't. Have, yeah, they don't have the self awareness to figure it out enough to kind of correct it to at least give you a path to then make moves. Like, all it's just a bunch of looks like a bunch of individuals playing right now. I, the debate has been like if you had to pick between them and like Portland, they compared to a lot of like similar situations between like McCollum and Lillard versus Wall and Beal. Of like if you had to split with one to make a change in the one direction or the other, like what would it be? Like I don't have that answer for this team, and I also like I just I don't know what you do. Like I really don't know what you do. Like. Firing Sky Brooks is one way, kind of correct things, but like you need to move, you need to make some sort of move. I think sooner rather than later with this team, like to to invigorate them to say, hey, this is not all right. Like we're not in a position where we can blow this up. Like guys need to change, and, and you need to find someone that will invoke that change quickly. <laughs> like 
very, very quickly. I think a lot of it does fall on John Wall just because of how much you're paying him and will like how much you've invested in him moving forward. And I don't think he is tradable really at this point. And if you don't want to trade this that's, other That's answer, right what I was going to ask you is if you think that that's a guy that you could trade. Not with that contract. There's not really a way to trade that contract. I think there is. Uh, who, if you're small, if you're was a small market hard? team. There was an idea of like, yeah, just you trade John Wall for Jimmy straight up. I know. There's yeah. Like stuff like that, but. I don't know, man. And I, I'm not. I'm not suggesting. I don't think the T Wolves would ever do that, because that's just that is so much money for them to take on for the next four years. They have four max players. John Wall to the take. Send John Wall to the Heat for Hassan and Gore and, and Dragic. Yeah, I mean the Heat have. That'll get the Wizards the hands Heat going. have the the. I mean, we could dig through a lot of teams, but yeah, I know. there are plenty of teams that with short term contracts that are going to have cap room. They could take his contract on. He's making forty. He's getting paid max money. Like, but my thing is that if you can get the best version of John Wall, if you're a small market, why wouldn't you take a chance on a guy like that? Because you're not unless you hit. A yeah, guy it's like in the, the Blake Griffin sitch, but. Yeah, yeah, and I but I but, think that but Blake knows, John Wall's ceiling is higher there. Sure, but I think Blake is more self-aware and knows what his game is and like what it isn't. Whereas John Wall, I think, is forgets that far too often at this point. Because like you said, like sure. he, what you described of what John Wall should be doing is exactly what he should be doing, and it's and we've seen him do it, and we've seen him do it for long stretches, and be very very good at it. But then he just, it seems as though he chooses to not be that because he wants to have this, like... He has uh, the disease of me in a lot, a lot of the time. Yes, yes. The, 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 this entire team has the my turn shot disease of me syndrome. And you need that removed as fast as possible. And we were both, oh, like, always thought very positively about this team. Every single team, and you look at it on paper, and there's reasons to believe in that. And I do think there's like talent within this team, but I just think there's just no like clear way of like who is going to be the person that like concedes or like who changes first on this team. It seems like a bunch of people are set on their ways and like I want to be this type of basketball player, and that's it. And someone else can figure it out. Right. And that's not going to be good. That's like unwatchable, bad, bad basketball. And people lose their jobs and will be out of that building if it continues. Let's talk about a, a team that you like. Uh, a treat, if you will. The so the the number one team in the Eastern Conference is your Milwaukee Bucks, PJ. The biggest treat of them all. And they have not lost a game. They've not lost a game. That small little bet I made for them to win the Eastern Conference Finals actually doesn't seem like as crazy of a long shot after all. The Bucks are the greatest team in the East after all. Okay, that's enough. All right, all right, all right. Giannis is on a tear to start the year. Besides Top being five concussed. and rebounding. They... Everything just has seemed, despite, honestly, Giannis' efficiency has dropped a little bit yeah. this year, but he's 
He just had so much more room to operate, and he's clearly just trying different things on offense. Like, he had one unbelievable pass that I do not know how he made in the last week that he was literally, like, underneath the basket and looked like he was going to get fouled or was driving the yeah. lane and just threw it out. I, I think it was to Tony Snell yeah. who hit a three with, like, this wraparound pass I'd never seen him make. Like, his passing has taken a step up. His shooting hasn't. I don't think it really matters, at least not for the time being, as long as this team, like the other guys have stepped up. Like Tony Snell, I think, has been pretty good this year. Ursan has not been. Ursan was the leading scorer last version. night. Ursan. Not been the worst version of Ursan that you've ever seen, right, PJ? So, well, I've seen every worst version of that guy. Probably continue so, to. Uh, I guess the real question, as it pertains to this segment, is for Trigger Treat, obviously the Bucks playing well is a tremendous treat for you, PJ, but. Is it a trick that they would be finishing the season as first in the Eastern Conference? I mean, yeah, I, I do think, though, there will be a counter of, of some of the stuff that Budenhauser's put in, and it's like... But, like you said, Giannis is passing it. I don't even know if it's improved, because I think he's had the ability... Like, I think it's just as simple as that he has an understanding of like where guys are actually going to be on the court, and it's not going to be this like five-on-one type of offense that they had been running and just like knowing he has other options and having to like try to jump above everyone else and like put his arms in a place where no one else can block him and like just try to dunk it and do all this interior stuff. I just think him knowing he has the out is is something that like he's – he's become better as an offensive player like that way and this offense in general – like, Chris Middleton has been crazy good for them. Uh, Bledsoe has been, like, coming off of that playoffs performance against the Celtics. Like, I was not a big Eric Bledsoe fan at that in the coming into the season. He has been – he has started off on the right foot. Um, yeah, Tony Snell is good. has been a solid, solid uh, role player for them. But just in general, like, this team is um, – they're shooting – the amount of threes they're shooting, like it, it's still been jarring to be watching every game and seeing them throw up so many threes. And, like, I just think they're only going to get more efficient at shooting because they're going to be used to those. Know they're going to have those shots and just, like, be able to make more of them. Uh, and I do not think this, like, the NBA, through his, his first five years, like, I don't think they have a concrete, like, correction to this offense with Giannis because he does so many things that other people physically cannot do and he himself is still figuring out how to play basketball at a high level like he's still learning every single game you watch of him okay like he is still figuring out and he will have those moments where you're like oh man like I'm just imagine when he figures out like what to do in that situation type of stuff like there are so many of those those moments that I'm so excited to see this team continue forward. And this is, like, the best case. Obviously, you know, they lost the game. They didn't have Giannis last night. They still beat the Raptors, who were Kawhi-less, which was a bummer because I was really looking forward to that game. Thank God that, Clay. That would have been fun. Clay gave us a gift to, to help us with that piece. But just in general, though, like, I, this team has never been one that I, I haven't seen. Like, I've never questioned their ability to – to make it work, it's just, you know, they didn't have the coaching. And when you really take take a, a, a next step look at it, it's like 
Is there a team, and the only team I can argue this with would be maybe the Raptors. Is there going to be a game where, the, and if you want to look towards the playoffs too, it's like there is not going to be a situation where they do not have the best player on the court if Giannis is healthy. In, that, in, in general in basketball, that sets you up to be very, very good. So your question, do I think they are the best in the East? I I I could see them still, and I, I think I said at one point to you just when we were talking, like I saw this team like really good case scenario being like the third seed in the East because Philadelphia needs to put JJ back in that lineup, and I think this Markel Fultz sink, I'm pretty done with that experiment to this point. Um, I think they're going to ride it out for a few more weeks before they make that move, but in that meantime, Bucks take advantage of because I think the Bucks have like. The Budenholzer clearly knew what he wanted to do with this roster, and like, exactly his game plan. Like they've bought into it, a hundred percent, and like they're they're drinking the Kool Aid. They're they are eating. They're they're on a sugar high right now, maybe uh, from them eating the Budenholzer candy, the Budenholzer bites, whatever you want to call them. And I'm right there with them. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna lie. It doesn't surprise me a ton that you're right there with them. I don't. I think that why they're a step away, and good defensive teams find a way to make life tough on guys that just simply cannot shoot. Yeah, mm. and this has been a problem with Giannis. It's nothing new. He just needs to get to the point that he's he's shooting at a respectable clip out there, and then I'm gonna say like they if. If they're getting this version of Chris Middleton, uh, if Bledsoe is playing well, if Brogdon stays healthy, if Snell is at least being a decent 3 and D guy, if you get Lopez with productive minutes, maybe this is a team that can make a run at the yeah. finals. I just but think that's what they need. I I think is if the key core pieces seem stay healthy, I think they're fine. I do worry once you get any injury at any position. You know, obviously Giannis has to be healthy for to this to play true, but if you lose any point like if Bledsoe got hurt and you had to run Brogdon out there You might okay. be okay. You're not as you you do still there's a dip. You still got Deli, you still got DiVincenzo. DiVincenzo has been pretty good. Dante has I I take back some of the, the negative things I said about Dante during draft night. Not that I have, I dislike, but I just didn't want him on the box. But yo, White Dante, it's nice. White Dante it might be, might have been, might not been half bad. Yeah. So and it's you know if Giannis isn't playing, as long as he's wearing that salmon suit, according to Thon Maker, that's gonna inspire this group to win without him. So there we um, have that. Do I need to buy we, a salmon suit? You think? I don't know. We forgot to give the Wizards a, or excuse me, we forgot to give the Clippers a shout out for showing Austin Rivers some some love with a nice tribute video the other night. Dude, so fucking ridiculous! Like, nepo- if that's not nepotism, wonder who, like I wonder I whose idea that was. I don't know. Well, it's yeah, I, I, that might build into my case about the Wizards not having any self awareness. It also could be, yeah, someone had should have shut that shit down. That shouldn't have happened. That like Joakim Noah was at the Bulls game last night, and he didn't get a tribute video while he was there. 
Like you, that's true. Austin Rivers has never been in a status where he deserves a tribute video. There, are, uh, Isaiah Thomas hasn't even gotten his tribute video yet from the Celtics. <laughs> Which is actually not, not good. Like that's kind of messed up. Well, he hasn't been healthy to give it to the, every the play he yeah, got maybe traded. He hasn't and played a game yet. But he hasn't still. played a game back in Boston for the dude for him, but. Um, okay, so before we have shout-outs here, we 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 talked about Candy a lot last year, which, you know, I think we will have to circle back because our preferences do change over time. But this year, uh, I did want to talk a little bit about because we're just too, we're too old to go trick-or-treating, PJ. Uh, at least until we have kids, you know, you can't be dressing up going out trick-or-treating. But I am curious as to what your some of your favorite Halloween costumes were when you did used to go trick or treating. Well, I mean, I, I guess I'd have to put in there. I mean, I was a Power Ranger from Red. One of the so that's that's one I got written down to the White Power Ranger. I was the it's Red classic. Power Ranger from like first grade through fourth grade. Uh, different, you know, different versions. I've said that. Um, so I mean I was that so I mean that's probably got to be just by number wise probably up there. I mean it's more like memorable ones. I know I was Jar Jar Binks one year. <laughs> that was wild. Um, I was. Uh, I was. Well, we were, did the the Zoolander thing together while we were in college. That costume turned out pretty well. And you were Mugatu. Yeah, I was, was Mugatu. Yeah, Power Rangers were huge. I somehow I feel like I was a ninja like five times. I probably was only once or twice, but I feel like that was a common one. Uh, I was in the Toon Squad one year. I got the the Toon Squad like MJ jersey and just wore that around. Yeah, I definitely was a basketball player a couple times for like school stuff, just so I could wear a basketball jersey. Sure. Brown, like yeah, high school ones. I don't know if I really knocked it out the park with any. I know for like a party, it was three. It's maybe three, four years ago now. I did uh based on um, <laughs> it was all all um. Have you ever so for Rick and Morty? Have you ever looked at the IMDb pages for um. For uh, Justin Roland, which I think he's changed it now, but his IMDb like his what his headshot was. No, I haven't seen it. Um, I'm looking to see if it still is it or not. But so for a minute, he was his headshot was him, but it looked as though he was covered in shit. <laughs> Good. Like was it? But that was like his like Hollywood official. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll tweet it. I'll I'll, I'll go through digging and I'll, maybe I'll tweet out with the link to this for one of the, the tweets when we distribute it. But. Um, one year I decided to recreate that and just had it be my, my shitty Halloween costume. So I just, I took, uh, like brownie bet, like frosting and stuff and like dressed up and then like just covered myself and like got an old like dress shirt from like Goodwill or something and covered that in charge. So it just looked like I was covered in shit. And then when people asked me what I was, I said, oh, this is my shitty Halloween costume. It's dedication, PJ. 
I was particularly – that's what I'm most proud of because I had a fun – you know, conversations, sure, they weren't uh, long while I was in that, that um, but I mean, I didn't smell. Actually, it was, I was, it was a pretty sweet costume if you really think about the uh, the construction of it. Uh, but, yeah, so I did uh, did that one. That was pretty memorable. I don't think anyone that was with particularly enjoyed my company, but I enjoyed it, and that's all I care about. That's great, PJ. Well, so that was a treat. Do I have shout outs? I have two things I wanted to definitely discuss. I'm going to send you this. Fuck, I found the picture. Just so you can see it. Uh, Shout outs I have. So, one thing we have to talk about the NBA, regarded as a very, you know, NBA Twitter, we love pettiness. There is a, a standard of pettiness, though, in the rap community that is unmatched by anything else, and that is the petty level of 50 Cent, in particular his regard to one job rule, in a level that is so extraordinary. Um, 50 Cent went on Groupon and bought two, all 200 of the first row tickets to one of Ja Rule and Ashanti's upcoming shows. I believe it's in Texas. Um so that Ja Rule would have empty seats in the first three rows of his concert. He's continuing to um, talk about it on Instagram and, and through a few different, like, is, is not letting it go. It just keeps it keeps escalating. This was a week before that. He was uh, poked fun at Ashanti for canceling her tour after she had only sold 26 total tickets for her Um at one of her, her uh, shows, I believe it was in her home in her hometown. Um, so Fifty Cent is is just taking this thing to levels, and he is a guy that uh, there is no stop for him. It is, it is only he will only stop when you admit defeat, uh, and he will he will go to any length. Like that is just like that dude is. Uh, it's it's just impressive. It's an impressive. Commitment to a level of pettiness and to a craft that um, none of us can expect to match. And it, the only way you would match is you go toe to toe with Fifty Cent and soon realize you don't stand a chance. Like he is, that guy is playing by a different set of rules than the rest of us. But it is entertaining as hell to to observe. Yeah, it's pretty cool to call some like. First of all, I feel so bad if you. If you throw a concert, put on a concert, and you have 26 people, I don't know how big the venue is, but that's still really messed up. Uh, I guess it is like your own fault if you just don't know your limits, though, right? Like, if I all of a sudden, you shouldn't feel bad for me if I just went and somehow booked a concert venue. But Shandy should be selling more than 26 tickets. That's the messed up thing. That's a problem. If you're on Spotify and you have, you know, a decent number of listeners, which I'm sure Shanti does have some on there. You shouldn't be getting 26 people. You should be able to sell out at least at least 100 people, PJ. But damn, that is cool. But, you know, the one thing is, though, be careful, 50, because I'm not 100%. I don't have a ton of confidence in your ability to to stay in the public image. Are you kidding if, me? If you continue to just go bankrupt, like you, some I guess if you keep doing ridiculous stuff like this, sure. But he's not gonna bankrupt. Come at you. 
He declared bankruptcy like two years ago, man. He made it all back. 50. No, he's back in good graces now, man. I do not think that he made Dude, it all he's back. he's got power. He's active produce. He's a producer for power. Like he's no nah, man. Fifty's yeah, doing I don't just think fine. Producers of shows on Fox are making like tens of. It's millions on Stars, of bro. Excuse me, sorry. That's Empire. You're thinking of I'm that. Confusing the two. Yeah, it was racist of you, Ultra. Not all black black shows are alike. That's true. <laughs> What's your second shout out? Second shout out. I take you to. Uh, San Fernando Valley, where a 90-year-old actor who some may know as William Daniels, others will know him as Mr. Feeney from Boy Meets World, uh, foiled an attempted burglary at his home. Uh, he was, uh, Feeney was uh, on the 90s show, the popular 90s show, who, and was at his house. With his 89-year-old wife, Bonnie Bartlett, Saturday evening when the incident began. Shortly before 9.30 p.m., the would-be intruder forced to open a back door. Spokesperson for the LAPD confirmed Tuesday. Daniels quickly reached, turning on the lights in the house. Uh, luckily, Mr. Daniels was able to frighten away the person, and the LAPD quickly responded. The situation elsewhere, actors, publicists said in a statement, um, they are both well. Mr. Janos thanks all the fans for his concern. Uh, so, Mr. Feeney, guess what? Still an intimidating force, even at 91. No one is messing with Mr. Feeney. Feeney. So, yeah, don't fuck with that guy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I you just must see. Oh, shit, it's Mr. Feeney. And just knowing that was a bit bad blood. He scared off the... Scared off the burglars, so so shouts to him for that. Yeah, I I hope that could be in my nineties and capable of doing shit like that. That'd be tight. That would good be show. Tight, Boy Ultra. Meets World. Never got into Fantastic never show. got into the the sequel of Girl Meets World, but I watched like an episode. It, but it felt weird watching it, like Disney Channel when you're like twenty four or five year old man. It just went out. Didn't have the same, didn't have the same appeal, and and definitely was not written or like structured in the same way as the old show, which I felt like it was yeah. a little bit more like all ages. Like this, the the demographic felt like something I wasn't being, I wasn't, it wasn't positioned in a way that I could be appealed to. Fair enough. Uh, I only have one shout out, which is uh, really kind of a kind of an issue I have. I, I was actually getting kind of excited. You know, you've you and I have talked about how excited you have been for this or maybe excited is wrong, but you have been very invested in the NFL this year. Not I've NFL watched directly, way more NFL football have... than I expected. A lot of that has to do with the success the acquisition and success of the Chicago Bears after they acquired Khalil Mack but in general yes I've engaged with the NFL for far longer this season in a national level of like observing games than I have probably in the last three four seasons for sure well I was there's a lot of hype around the NFL trade deadline this year and I was very underwhelmed so Shout out again what? to the NBA trade deadline and all other pieces. Who is 
who's hyped about the NFL? Who's ever putting expectations in that? There's oh, there's definitely way more stuff that it was gonna be the most crazy NFL trade deadline in the history of the NFL, and all kinds of crazy shit was gonna happen, and then it was mm. that did not happen. I'll believe that when I see it. I mean, I do. We'll say I. Uh, there, the last couple of years since they moved the trade deadline back in the NFL, there's definitely more trades, and like at least some like household names just from like fantasy wise and different reasons like are recognizable names, I guess you could say, that do get moved more than like it used to be like you'd get like a safety and maybe an offensive lineman like a backup. You know, there would be very like low end moves of stuff, but. So there's, I do think it's helped teams like make more moves, but I don't know, man. It's, football trades aren't. The, it's just tough to do that compared to basketball. But, yep, part of it's my fault too, but that's the truth. Yeah, it's tough for you. Yeah, I don't have expectations for the NFL. I just, uh, you know, keep on doing. Yes, Don't expect much. Just get lines, pleasantly yeah, surprised yeah, by the, what you get from the NFL, really, is what I would recommend all. You're a wise man. You're a wise man, PJ. All right, man. Well, we will uh, we'll definitely be back with another pod next week. Any parting words, mm-hmm. my friend? Well, should I address the uh, candy corn thing just being trash? And that I'm evidently a trash judge of character because I did a poll a couple of weeks ago on Instagram, um, found out that. Half of my friends don't think candy corn is absolute trash, and or forty nine percent thought it was, fifty one percent thought it was absolute trash, which they're right. Forty nine percent didn't agree, and that was concerning to me that I've been associating with people that that don't hate candy corn completely. And I think it's garbage, and you should be doing better things with it, with your life than you know, having candy corn. You know where I stand with this. I think it's it's terrible. It's so bad. It's so bad. Well, um, also, so I'm with you, man. Also, I got one more. Just give a, a, a happy birthday shout out to uh, Nia Long, who's a Hollywood actress, Fresh Prince of Bel Air, uh, Big Mama's House, Boys in the Hood, uh, many many of films. Also, to tie it to the NBA is with uh, former NBA player Ime Eteko, who is, uh, I believe he's still a Spurs assistant. I'm checking right now. Yeah, current assistant for the Spurs. Ime Adoko. Thank you, PJ. Well, everyone, thank you for listening. Check us. (laughs) What? Neelong. Thank you for... Neelong. She's, uh, was, uh, did a lot for me in my adolescent years. She's 48, still looks Uh, banging. So, great for her. (laughs) All right, I'm going to wrap it up now. (laughs) Thank you, everyone, for listening. Check us out, pointforwardnba at gmail.com. Check us out on Leaders Review and iTunes Stitcher. We'll talk to you.